state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now it's an empty set. Brought back to Cephas Johnson. Gets hit. Falls loose at the goal line. Picked up. Grabbed by the Huskers. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome. Friday night's show here on Sports Nightly. We're just ahead of the Huskers. Nah, never mind. Nothing. No game. Not just ahead. I mean, you could say ahead of the Huskers and Hoosiers, but you'd be a little early. Eight, nine days ahead of myself. Eight days ahead of myself. I, I don't. I have not known how to act all week long. It has been 24 consecutive weeks during a season that Husker football has played. I mean, this is just bizarre to not have a game to look forward to tomorrow for the Big Red. Having said all that, I still think it's okay, Ben, that Nebraska is not playing tomorrow. I think this team needed the week off to collect their to catch their breath, collect their thoughts a little bit, and try to figure out where they're headed for the last five games of this season. Yeah, I think it came at a almost a perfect time, and not just you know for the for the mental break, but the physical break too. I mean, there has been so many guys that have been banged up um, over the course of the year. And even now that are that are missing time that they need there's some time for their bodies to just recover and and get plenty of treatment. And and even for the coaches too, I think it's a really important time for them to assess where they are, where they're lacking, why things have haven't gone the way that they thought and how they fix it and and at least at least address the issues and see what you can do to make it better. And uh and then get and then get in your game plan for Indiana. So I think from all aspects, mental and physical health of your players and for the coaches, it came at a good time. Sure did. And we're going to talk to Sam McEwen about some of that those topics coming up a little bit later on here in the hour. I mean, the the cold hard facts are that Nebraska has only scored one touchdown in each of their last three games. I I put Nate Roar in charge of this. Maybe I need, I should have maybe assigned this to Austin earlier in the week as well when was the last time that happened for Husker football where they went three consecutive games and scored one touchdown in each game I mean that that's where this offense is unfortunately right now in this part of the season you never thought that this would be an issue with a Scott Frost coach team uh, either and I know we had him in studio last night and the questions based on the questions we got he's kind of dumbfounded at how this is happening now not having your your quarterback not having your two best playmakers and and Wandale and and JD for at least a while JD did play against Minnesota and you know just being the non-existent factor that Maurice Washington has been you know before the year if you if you were to tell me no Adrian no Mo Washington no JD no Wandale I'm going okay well I have no idea where the offense is coming from then and then you throw in the struggles of the O-line and it's just a disaster and unfortunately right now that that's kind of what it looks like and it's the coach's job to try and find a way to patch those holes and put together an offense on the field. Ben, it's amazing how it can change from week to week because you go back basically a month ago in the Illinois game where Nebraska essentially put up 700 yards of offense, scored 42 points, and would have scored a lot more had they not turned the football over four times that night. That could have been a 60-point game. And from that point to where we are now, it's been one touchdown against the Buckeyes, one touchdown against Northwestern, 
one touchdown against Minnesota. So the bye week is here, a chance again for this team to collect their breath and kind of figure out what they want to try to do, what kind of identity they want to try to build over the last five games. Also a terrific opportunity for this staff to go and see prospective student-athletes. I guarantee you every assistant, including the head coach who was here last night sitting where you are right now, they're out at high school football games tonight. They have to take advantage of that. It means so much to those players to see those coaches in the stands. And, um, you know, that relationship with player and, and head coach or assistant coach, most times it's assistant coach. It's, it means it, it's the end of, it end up, ends up being the difference of what kids you get and what kids you don't. And to have those, those coaches and the attendance to game, to, to have those players go, wow, of all the kids that they could be recruiting, of all the kids and their position – around the country that they could go see play they're they're watching me it means a lot and it means a lot to their families too uh to know that nebraska is is very serious on them and you know wants wants them to be a part of uh their program so this is a huge week in recruiting it's going to be a huge week in recruiting the next bye week too to where they can get out there and um you know go take care of some things and you know build some of those relationships and you know hopefully uh this this week this bye week and the next bye week are very impactful to some student athletes. The head coach told us last night he was headed to Iowa. I would hypothesize that he's overseeing Blaze Gunnerson play. That's uh, just a guess on my part. I would imagine that uh, that would be a guy that he would be interested in going to watch. Um, and and that's the other thing too is we're still you know a couple of months away from signing period, and until that thing's over with. You, you always got to worry about someone getting poached or someone yep. changing their mind. So as much as you want the new student athletes, you got to make sure the ones that have currently said yes are still on board too. Remember, he's got brother planted Iowa State. I mean, it, you, you never say never. We're still two months away from when he can actually sign or however they do it now for the uh, letter of intent on December the 18th. All right, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. As I mentioned, Sam McEwen is going to be with us here uh, in a couple of minutes. We'll talk to the uh, – Writer from the Omaha World Herald who covers Husker football on a day-in and day-out basis. Hour number two, we'll have our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks for the week. This will be interesting to see how we break down some of the matchups in the Big Ten Conference for the week. We will also uh, chat with Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network. Get the latest on Patrick Mahomes, who went down with an injury last night for the Chiefs. Sounds like a couple of weeks. Sounds like the Chiefs might have caught a break with that, that he's not out for the year, but just a couple of weeks. But Ian will have the latest for us coming up in hour number two. Third hour of the show, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll also hear from John Anthony of Anthony Travel. Earlier this week, it was announced that Nebraska and Illinois are going to open the 2021 football season on August 28th in Dublin, Ireland. And Anthony Travel has put together some fabulous trips and packages for you to go over whether you want to go for eight days six days four days three days they've got it all broken out we'll hear from anthony about why nebraska was on their radar to be matched up in this game and then how you can maybe find yourself a travel package to go over and experience ireland and husker football hand in hand coming up in about 22 months we'll have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week no husker football tomorrow there is big 10 friday night football if you were listening last night when we had teddy greenstein of the chicago tribune with us not a fan not a fan at all of Evanston, Illinois, hosting a college game as uh, they'll kick off with the Buckeyes at 7.30. You and I have been up and around that stadium a couple of different times, whether it be for football or baseball. 
Not a lot of parking up there, and let alone on a weekday. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting sight uh, tonight for Wildcat football. And uh, uh, and then the game's going to start, and then I don't know that things are going to go particularly well for Northwestern. But stranger things have happened with that team. Uh, I hope it's competitive to give me something to watch tonight as I sit on my couch in my sweatpants, and that's probably going to be a, a common theme for me this weekend. Uh, you sound like Lane Grindle, <laughs> sweatpants night. It's up then season. And for me, it's like more basketball shorts than it is sweatpants. Like that, that's <laughs> that's where I'm in my wheelhouse. But yeah, it, I, I hope it's at least attain, entertaining for a while. Four touchdown favorite, Ooh, or what the Buckeyes are in that game tonight. Well, I know a lot of you are probably headed out to some high school football. Gorgeous weather for you to go out. Week eight of the high school football season, so only two more regular season games left. Uh, travel safe. Have a great time tonight. Hope your team does well, and hope everybody has a good time watching some high school football. All right, phone lines are open, 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We'll be monitoring that Ohio State-Northwestern game when it comes on in about Oh, an hour and 15 minutes. Also, game five underway now in New York between the Yankees and the Astros. The Astros are really good, Ben. They win last night. They're up 3-1 in the series. They can they can finish it off tonight with a victory over the Yankees. They just got this game underway. But I think one of us mentioned this last night or two nights ago. This might be about as good a team as baseball has seen in a long, long time, this Houston team with the starting pitching they can roll out there. Furlander goes tonight. And then a lineup that's just really solid one through nine. Really good. Really, really good. And, I mean, Paxton has been awesome for the Yankees. And, you know, the other guy pitching isn't terrible either, uh, <laughs> I've heard. So it should be a good matchup, but I, I it ends tonight, I think. I do too. Verlander was was not great. In fact, he got beat in their opening game. That's that's the game the Yankees won eight to nothing. Uh, so you got to feel like he wants to prove himself tonight. Uh, so the Yankees win game one. The Astros come back and win game two, three, and four, winning one of those in extra innings. And then they've kind of dominated the last couple of games. So um, it's it's really swung. The Washington Nationals are they're sitting on sweatpants and out on their couch watching this game and kicking back. They finished off their series a couple of nights ago. Game one of the World Series isn't for four or five more days, so nice little break for the Nationals, and they can really set up their starting pitching with their with their big guns and Scherzer and Strasburg that they can go out and throw at. They certainly, I think, can be formidable more than likely for the Astros here come next Tuesday. They Wednesday. can, but is it too much time off? Maybe because baseball is such a sport of I mean, routine. They haven't played. They haven't, it's been a while since they played already. They got to wait another four days. Gonna be a while. There is some college baseball here tomorrow. That's what I hear. Will Bolt Huskers out at Haymarket Park, one o'clock against the Kansas Jayhawks. They're not going to play a traditional nine inning game. They will play twelve. It's free to the public. So if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, it's going to be beautiful outside. Husker baseball taking on the Candace Jayhawks, going out to Haymarket Park and watch Will Bolt's team. This is this will end it for them for the fall. They'll be done with their fall ball after that game tomorrow. We'll try. I've got that on my calendar for next week. We'll try to get a conversation with Will Bolt, see what he thought of fall and his his uh, first team as Nebraska's head coach. I did see t- today. This is way off topic. I didn't really want to go here tonight, but I'm kind of it's in my stack here, Ben. That Kendall Rogers, who writes for D1 Baseball and who's been a frequent guest 
on Sports Nightly. He's really pushing a new postseason format for college baseball. It's been 64 teams make the college baseball tournament, and you would go to a four-team regional. Winners of those then would go to a super regional. He's really pushing 32 opening weekend sites with the best of three series. One team, so two teams match up. It would give 32 teams a chance to host a three-game series. You would then go to a Sweet 16-type series the next weekend with those 32 teams matched up, then to an Elite Eight with only four teams in going to Omaha for the College World Series. It would add, it would add in essence, one weekend to the season, but it would expose college baseball to 32 host weekends. What do you think? Fan? Yay, no? I think it's Up, not down. surprising that Kendall Rogers wants this uh, because this is a tremendous for a conference like the SEC. You don't think it would get more Big Ten teams to host, though? It, it for would. For the first weekend. It would, but then what would happen after that? You'd all be going south. But you're doing that anyway now, right? Uh, but here's the way I look at it. Let's say, I mean, if it were to happen this last year, there would have been 10 SECs. Ten of the 30, a third of them would have been at SEC Would sites. Nebraska have hosted? No. Nebraska was a three seed. True. You would have had to have been a two. So You're right. So what would have what would have been Indiana would have what what then would happen is you would have to go a third of the teams playing in a regional would have to go to the Southeastern Conference and win a series. So I understand that a college a major college baseball writer who you know covers all the big names w- would want that. It's I mean think about it and think about it in the, in the in the sense of a March Madness bracket, right? you would have to beat the number one seed twice or whatever. Like, it would take – it would basically all but eliminate the upset. I mean, but, you, you would truly have to be – But the one seed's going to play the 64. They're going to play the Stony Brooks or a little conference champion or right, something but like the, that. But, but, yeah, that's what I mean is it, it's, it's, it would be – think about Nebraska's situation in Stillwater, Right. One one out away from beating Oklahoma State and being in the driver's seat. Instead, Nebraska would have had to win a series in Stillwater and then go win again on the road to get to where they would have been had they just finished out that regional. You know what I mean? The road is a lot more difficult for teams that aren't a national power. Like the the upset, in essence, would would basically be gone because you have to beat a team two out of three every step of the way to get to Omaha. True. And, and and those teams would get home games every single week until they got to Omaha. So if you're Vanderbilt or you're Arkansas or You'd you're love that. You, or A&M, you're playing at home until you get to Omaha and you have to win a series. So to me it would it would take all of the what why we love the Tennessee Techs who they you know they they had a good offense, they, they were able to just hit home runs, you know, they they're able to sneak through a regional or you see you know you, you see teams that can get hot uh that would that would all but be gone. The Stony Brooks, the you don't think those they teams would all would be gone? No, because they'd, they'd have to they'd have to three. go to Baton Rouge and beat LSU in a regional, and which then, they did, and then they'd have to go do it again, right. and then they'd have to go do it again, right. and then they'd have to go do it again, and then they'd get to go to Omaha. So like that, it would never happen. I, I want to think about it a little bit longer because let, let's let's use Stony Brook. Let's say Stony Brook plays LSU, and let's say LSU's the four seed. So then the four seed the next weekend with a sixteen format would play the twelve seed. So then you're right. You'd have to beat the four seed on their home field, then go beat the 12th seed on their field, unless the 12th seed gets upset 
in their first weekend. And then you'd go and then they, you'd be at home for the five seed. Right? Yes. So you know what I mean? Like so they, so they get they essentially get three home series right in a row. And so who does this benefit? It the, benefits the, the, Vanderbilt, the it benefits Florida, it benefit you know what I mean? Oregon State, UCLA, Stanford, like it benefits all the it, – it would take all – like a Michigan. Michigan's a great example. And that would take Michigan out of the equation. What Was Michigan a four or three? They were three. Three. Right. So they would have had to have gone to like a Oregon State. They would have gone State. from Oregon State down to Baton Rouge, then to Nashville. But they kind of did that, right? They go to Oregon State, then they go to UCLA, and but, then they get to Omaha. Yeah, but in Corvallis, they only had to beat Oregon State once. It was a neutral site game for – for them for the other games that's true they're playing Creighton and some of those other people all right good point Kendall's pushing it I know Kendall's pushing it and I'm not surprised Kendall's pushing it Kendall wants to see <laughs> Vanderbilt play Florida play Arkansas play yeah. Oregon State he wants to see that in Omaha every year right but in his thing only four teams go to Omaha not exactly eight those are the four. it would be like it would be like a major college basketball Jay Billis wanting to watch Duke North Kansas. Carolina Kentucky and Kansas yeah. every year in the final four right as a big hotshot rider, and who wouldn't want to watch that? You know what I mean? Isn't volleyball kind of that way right now? I mean, volleyball's kind of made themselves to get to the Final Four. You have four teams show up at a site, but now it's, it's like college baseball, cause regionals, except it's you're right, a single limb. It is, yeah. All right, that was it. I'm, I, I didn't, I didn't really mean to get to that tonight, but I saw that today. Kendall was pushing I saw that, that today. Too. So, all right, Will Bolt's listening and going, keep going, keep going, keep talking about what I need to I don't show. know what he thinks about it. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him when I see him the next time. All right, that's what we're dealing with here tonight. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Numbers if you want to be a part of the fray tonight. We'll come back, take some calls, and we'll chat with Sam McCune of the Omaha World Herald. That's next. We're back, Sports Highlight Friday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Hope you had a wonderful weekend, and hope you have a great week weekend coming up. Hope we had a great week, great weekend coming up. Sam McEwen joining us now from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, it's a Friday night before a fall Saturday. It seems weird we're not talking about a Husker game tomorrow. Has this been odd to you all week? It's it's very odd. Nebraska didn't have one last year, and, uh, well, we spent our bye week last year at the stadium watching that thunderstorm. So, <laughs> you know, uh, we got to do this, and then we'll have two games, and then we'll have another bye week. And I can't think of many teams in college football that can use two bye weeks in a month more than Nebraska. I think, I think they'll they'll benefit greatly from having those two. Sam, the coaches will do a lot of self-evaluation on a bye week, so it allows all media types to kind of do that as well as you diagnose the first seven games. What have you found with this football team? Well, you know, I think Scott Frost came to Nebraska with a with a I think a really good formula of uh, let's score first, let's score fast, let's score often, let's put pressure on the opposing defense, and let's put pressure on the opposing offense to keep up. And Nebraska's offense just not not been able to do that consistently enough this season. And so when I think about the area of the team that that needs to grow, uh, that's the area on offense. I and mean, that's just that's that's what this program wants to be. Its identity is built on scoring points, and uh, they're just not scoring enough points. Uh, the yards haven't been bad, but uh, but they've got to get better from a points perspective. They're averaging 25.6 points per game, and I, I suspect 
you know, Coach Frost wants that in the 35 to 40 range. Um, that's kind of where he's used to having it. Uh, and so some of that is that they need more players. Uh, they need to get healthy. Uh, and some of it, and he mentioned this after the Minnesota game, I think to us and to you, is they just have to get they just have to get some more bread and butter running plays. You know, they've they've got to be able to uh, to know that a play is going to work, and when it works, then they have uh, a couple of off speed pitches off of that play. And unfortunately, they have not had a consistent running game. It hasn't necessarily been bad, but it hasn't been consistent. Um, and so it kind of it's kind of spotty, and as a result, they haven't been able to get their passing game going as much either. What did you make of Coach Frost's comments on Tuesday when he said that when he went back and watched the tape, he, he felt like they weren't physically dominated like maybe he thought watching that thing lie? What did you make of that? I agree with him. Um, now let me add this. Nebraska also was not physically dominant. And so one thing that I noticed in the first, even, even against Ohio State, um, is that you know Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, and Darian Daniels are usually good for one tackle for loss each per game. Uh, and, and they didn't have any of those against Minnesota. And so um, they weren't dominated, but they also didn't make, you know, splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. Minnesota was not often in second and 15, for example. And there were times this season when the Davis Twins and Daniels would make a play like that and put a team behind the sticks. Uh, so that didn't happen. Um, but simultaneously, no, you know, Nebraska's defensive line was mauled. Um, you know, it's, it's accurate to say that Frost, Watched the tape, and he was like, "Hey, you know, we didn't we didn't fit some run fits, and uh, when they got there, they didn't tackle as well as they wanted." PJ Fleck kind of said the exact same thing uh, after the game to our uh, to our Steve Bidek at the World Herald. So, um, you know, it's 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 a similar situation to um, other times this season. You know, they've seen this play quite a few times now. Uh, Colorado had some success with it, if you might recall, uh, in the third and fourth quarters. Northwestern had some success with it on the third quarter drive for a touchdown. Illinois had some success with the same play on their third quarter drive for a touchdown. I think Minnesota was just able to execute it really well, and I think Nebraska's defense was was not able to execute its defense. Um, I think Nebraska's defense, honestly, they won't admit that, but I think they were tired. I mean, I think they've had a long first half of the season, and you know they went seven. They faced in the previous two games 94 running plays, um, and that's a lot. That's a ton of running plays. And, and, and so I think Nebraska's defense was probably just a little too, maybe a little beat up and maybe just a little little weary. And, and so as a result, I think you'll see a much better defensive unit when they come back against Indiana. Sam McEwen's with us from the Omaha World-Herald. You can read his work also online at omaha.com. Okay, uh, they're not mathematically eliminated, Sam, from the Big Ten West race, but it's going to be an uphill climb now that they're a couple of games back of both Minnesota and Wisconsin and don't have the tiebreaker over the Gophers. Are the goals now readjusted with five games to go for this team in your eyes? Well, the big picture goals, uh, probably, but you know, at this point, they're a they're a one they're a one season, game season every week. Um, this is a team that has to get better uh, right in front of you know right. They can't look beyond the next game. Uh, I think, you know, on paper, uh, they're probably a better team than Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland, but uh, they can't guarantee any of those wins. Uh, they're going to have to go out there and earn them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think if you're talking about, you know, what we talk about in the media or what fans might talk about, um, I think seven or eight wins would be a tremendous goal at this point, tremendous achievement. 
Um, they needed to beat Minnesota, I think, to feel really good about winning the Big Ten West as it stands now. Once Wisconsin beats Illinois and Minnesota beats Rutgers, those two teams will be two games clear of uh, of, of Nebraska and presumably Iowa if they beat Purdue. Uh, and so you're probably looking at battling for second or third uh, in the league. And um, that's not to say they can't win out. I mean, I, I if they went nine and three and they won out, then they'd probably win the Big Ten West. But uh, I think that's going to be hard. Uh, I think they're going to have to play extremely well uh, just to win three more games. And so um, I think making a bowl is a reasonable goal. But beating Indiana, if they beat Indiana, I think a lot of this will look better. And it doesn't really matter how they beat them. 24-23 is good enough. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, if they beat Indiana, I think, I think uh, you know, they can kind of start looking at things a little bit better. Uh, but that one-game season is really important right now. Okay, the coaches are, are out. A lot of them probably at high school football games tonight around the country and yeah. then maybe going visiting some other young men tomorrow. As you look at the recruiting class, I think there's four, was it 14 commitments now. What, where are they yeah. still hurting? Where do they still need to add some, some depth in your eyes? Uh, they'd like to get another big receiver. Xavier uh, Betts is one, uh, but I think they want Omar Manning, a guy from Kilgore Junior College in Texas, and Justin Robinson a player from the same school uh, of Marquise Black, who just committed to Nebraska. Uh, they need another pass rusher. Um, not sure who that, where that's going to come from, uh, but they need another one. Uh, they, at this, as it stands right now, Blaze Gunnarsson is sort of a tweener. You know, he, he, he could be outside linebacker. He could be defensive end. They, they need another pass rusher, and I, and I think they're, they're trying, to, trying to pull one of those in. Um, I think they're good at running back. I really do. I don't know that they need more than two. Um, they've kicked the tires on tight end, but I don't know that they need one. Uh, I think they're in pretty good shape at offensive tackle. Um, they might want another defensive end or defensive tackle. I think that's what the, the guy that came in uh, from Utah, that's what he was here to do is kind of look at the program as a defensive player. Uh, and then, you know, another corner, potentially another safety, potentially another inside linebacker. Um, I think the class will end up somewhere north of 20, but maybe somewhere south of 25. So it may not be as big as the previous two classes they had, but uh, in part because they just don't have the spots. I mean, they don't, I don't think they're going to have spots for 26 signees on, on, in February. So that could be wrong though. You never know. Um, they might have some attrition after the season that creates, creates an opening, but um I think it'll be between 20 and 25. It'll be a top 25 class, maybe not top 15 like last year, but uh, probably top 25. Uh, and, and the skill players they have are very good. Uh, so presuming Betts academically qualifies, you really have to look like what Betts, Will Nixon, Sevian Morrison, and Marvin Scott bring to the table. That's, that's a really good quartet of players right there, and those are guys that can play a lot of football at Nebraska. Um, and I would say that I like – you know, I like those guys even a little bit more than the guys that signed last year. Yeah, the 14 looks fairly solid, but there's certainly some some openings in that thing. All right, uh, so what what is a, a guy who covers the Huskers on a Saturday doing an off week? What do you, what do you got planned for this weekend? Well, you know, this is an opportunity for uh, you know my wife and I to reconnect. <laughs> you know, every sports writer is really fortunate to have a really supportive uh, family or support structure, and so my wife's birthday was on Thursday. Uh, mine was actually the day that Nebraska played Minnesota. And so, um, you know, we're, we're going to try to take the opportunity just to enjoy it with 
with with friends and and nah, I may watch a game. You know, the games that interest me are not the same games that interest like the regular Husker fans. So I'm interested in Iowa and Purdue and Indiana and Maryland. <laughs> I mean that's yeah, that's the games I'm going to watch. Like I, you know, I like the Big Ten. I I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'll probably watch. I like to watch a lot of Midwest games. So Iowa State plays tomorrow against Texas Tech. K State plays TCU. Um, I won't watch Minnesota Rutgers. I don't care about that game. But Michigan Penn State in the evening. I don't know. I think we're going to be doing something. But uh, I may glance at that. So the, the ones I'm watching are Indiana Maryland and, and Iowa Purdue and just you know Midwestern games. Uh, and then next week is next week when Wisconsin plays Ohio State. That's the big one. So. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be kind of a quieter week, I think, in college football, uh, and and it's really going to ramp up in late October and early November. Well, great. Enjoy yourself, and we're back into our normal routine starting Monday. Sam, we appreciate it. All right, take care. But all right, time now for our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Josh, how do we do? Where do we stand? How do we do? All right, so. So there were five games last week, and there was only one person that made picks that was perfect last week, and it was Ben. So ah, wow, five of five. Uh, Greg, you missed one game. You picked Iowa over Penn State. Got that wrong. Uh, Nate, Brett, and I all picked Maryland over Purdue, and we got that wrong. So. He's pulling away, Josh. Yep, the rest of us went four or five. So, yeah, Ben extends his lead. He's 49 of 55. Uh, Nate is actually in second right now, 47 of 55. Greg, you're 46 of 55. I'm 45 of 55. So, there you go. It's not how you start. That's how you finish. We're running out of time, though. But honestly, though, it is more about how you start than how you finish because it (laughs) – I guess right. It's opposite (laughs) of that. That's true. It is opposite of that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into the 11 o'clock. Oh, no, let's do the game tonight. It starts yeah. in about 30 minutes. Ohio State at Northwestern. Ben, since you were in the lead, you have the pressure of making this Ooh. first pick. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I just saw the um, Northwestern strength coach in a video just <laughs> going absolutely bonkers and pumping his team up for the Northwestern Wildcats to get it done tonight. Grass but, is tall. But his efforts are going to fall short in a monster way. Give me the Buckeyes. <laughs> and I think they cover. Ooh, yeah. 27 is a spread. I'll I, say 38-7. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say they don't cover, but Ohio State wins. The, the grass will slow them down just enough that they don't, they don't cover that spread. Wouldn't it slow Northwestern down too, though? I mean, yes, but they're used to it. They're slow <laughs> anyway, so it, it evens the playing field. Yeah, Buckeyes win. I, I kind of like your 38-7. I can't copy you, so I'll go 38-10. That still covers it by a point. Uh, so all, all of us with the Buckeyes. Anybody else have anything different? Nope. Nate uh, also won Ohio State. So did Austin. All right. Okay, Josh, you got the pressure of the first game on Saturday, 11 o'clock, BTN, Wisconsin at Illinois. I'm going Badgers. I, uh, You know, Illinois has, has shown some life at different times this season, but I, I would not be shocked if this is another shutout for the Badgers. Their defense has just been amazing so far. And, I, yeah, I w- it would not shock me if they shut them out, but I'm, I'm going to go something like 35-3. to three. The, the Illinois gets on the board, but just with a field goal. That would be a cover. The spread in this game is 31. Uh, Illinois really showed some life last week against Michigan. They were down, well, I think it was 28 to nothing, yep. right? And they came back and got it to within a score. Uh, but then the Buckeyes put on a couple of, or the, a couple of late touchdowns to win it fairly. 
Um, 42 to 25. I think it was 28-25 at one point in time. I think the line yep. I got it to three. I, I don't I'm, – I'm with Josh. I just – I don't think they stop Wisconsin. That rush defense for Illinois is terrible. I, I think it's – I think it's bad. I, I'm going to go 45 to seven. The defense Ooh. for Illinois is terrible. You throw the rush <laughs> part out of it. The pass defense <laughs> is bad too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wisconsin blows them up. I mean, this is a blowout. There, there, there's not going to be a situation like last week where Wisconsin handles them for a half and then Illinois crawls back into it like they did Michigan. This, yep. It's going to get bad. Yeah. Yep. Nate's with us? Nate and Austin are both with us, yep. Okay. Also at 11 tomorrow on ESPN2, Purdue at Iowa. Purdue really found some something last week. They Plummer really looked like he made big strides quarterbacking that team now for the injured Sindelar. Rondale Moore still not going to play tomorrow. Iowa has been brutal offensively the last two weeks against Michigan and Penn State. They've only managed one touchdown in their last two games. They don't cover. This spread 17 and a half. Iowa will not cover this. They're going to win. I'm looking at something like 24 to 14. Um, Hawkeyes win this by about 10. My turn? Your turn. I'm still having a hard time making out Iowa, having a hard time figuring them out. Um, I think they're solid. I don't know that they're like world beaters at any specific position. Uh, I think they've definitely taken a step back offensively. Uh, I'll say Iowa wins too, but I'm not. Ver- I'm not very confident. Yeah. Like I, I'll say. I'll say between seven and ten. Okay. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a low-scoring game. You know, Iowa probably in the 20-21 range, and and Purdue scoring around fourteen, like you said, Greg. So I, yeah, I, I see Iowa winning this one, but only by yeah six or seven points. This one might hold your attention a while. Yeah, I, I think into the fourth quarter, it's yeah. gonna be a game. I think so too. Okay, uh, Ben, back to you. This is another barn burner. Two thirty on BTN. You've got Minnesota at Rutgers. This, I mean, this one's got the. <laughs> Never mind, I can't even do it. Well, I said, I think it was four weeks ago that they should just pencil in the the rest of my Rutgers picks for the year. And so I think my game's already decided, and I'm going to choose Minnesota. Yep. Big. Row the boat. Yeah. The oars are the, – put the oars in the boat and slap a motor on that thing. That's going to make them 7-0. and oh. It's going to be, say, Minnesota has 200-yard rushers – and 200-yard receivers tomorrow. Wow. Man. Wow. Um, God, Gopher's going to be 7-0 and in this game. Yeah, I, I don't, there's just no way this is close. Rutgers had one yard of passing last week against it's better than zero. Indiana with five <laughs> completions. They had five completions for one yard in their game against Indiana last week. Almost impossible to do Minnesota rolls in this game. Yeah, that's what lost to Iowa and Minnesota, both for Nathan and Austin. Sticking okay. with the group. All right, Josh, uh, also at 2.30 tomorrow. This one's also on BTN. Interesting matchup and something Husker fans need to kind of keep an eye on. Indiana goes to Maryland. The Hoosiers, who've only won one conference road game in the last three years, are favored by six on the road. Josh? Yeah, this is an interesting game. It's a big game for both of these teams. It can kind of – 
Uh, obviously, Maryland has been been struggling since their hot start, but Indiana they have kind of a tough schedule to end end the year, and so they they really need to win this game uh, if they want to get bowl eligible. So I think that Indiana, I think the Hoosiers will win this game, but yeah, I, the, the line the last line I saw was like five and a half or something like that. So I think that they they win, but I don't know if they cover. I think it's a close game all the way. They win by three or four points. Do we know if going to play i've not seen a report this week um I don't, I don't know i think it would help if josh jackson can go tomorrow for maryland going to be fired up to play this game because as josh said if they want to have a shot at a bowl game they've got they've got to win this game i i think i think maryland makes this really interesting and i'm very tempted to take them but i for i just can't quite pull the trigger so i'll go the hoosiers but i don't feel great about it I'll go on the other side. I'll I'll pick Maryland. I I don't think ja- Jackson is going to play. I think they list him as like doubtful. Um, but I think Maryland's due for a decent performance. They've just been so bad weeks, and I'm I'm kind of in prove it to me mode with Indiana. I think their offense is pretty uh, a, a, a slippery little wide receiver that that I think is one of the better playmakers in the Indiana team. But parts, I think there's going to be. Uh, I'll say Maryland wins. Confidence level is about a 3 out of 10. <laughs> Man, that could be a swing game, Josh, for those in the standings. I, I was just going to say, that every, Nate and Austin both picked Indiana as well. So if, if Indiana wins, that's the pack can catch the leader a little bit here. Woo! We'll see. I, I'm not going to be shocked. Like no, I said, I, I'm taking Indiana, but I don't feel great about it. You're taking Maryland. You don't feel great about it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's impossible to say you have a handle on any of those two teams. Right. And boy, the Huskers play. Those are two of the five Nebraska on the schedule. Those two games again, two thirty on BTN. Okay, the big one at night: Michigan at Penn State. Uh, is this minor? Who's this? Who's this? Who no, knows? This is. Jo- two, three. I think it's. Mine. No, it's Josh. Okay. It, this is Josh. Michigan at Penn State under the lights on ABC. All right, I'm calling my shot here. I'm. I'm Michigan is going to win the. Why? Ooh. I don't. One, I need to. I, I want to make a, a move here and, and get back into things. So if I'm going to do that, I got to take a risk here and there. But I, you know, it's just both teams are kind of. You, you think you haven't figured out a time when uh, Michigan's going to pull an upset. They're going to everything's going to come together for Harbaugh and uh, the and the Wolverines. So I'm I'm going Michigan. I just I can't go khaki pants here. I can't do it. Uh, I got Penn State with a wideout. I think it's going to be just really difficult to beat the Lions. I love their defense. I think they are so good on that side of the ball. I just don't think Michigan's going to score in this game. I think Penn State wins 20 to 20 to 10. Um, Penn State wins this one. Yeah, I'm 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 choosing Penn State in this one as well. And it, and it's it. I look at this game and it's like, okay, well, who do I trust? I don't trust Michigan at all right now. And I'm starting to believe a little in Penn State. And we're going to find out a lot about the Nittany Lions this week. And and we and they proved last week they can win a, a, a slugfest type game. They Their defense can hold up. And I, I it's hard for me to see Michigan scoring a whole bunch of points on that defense. And and I think Sean Clifford, he's he's done a pretty good job so far this year. So give me, give me Penn State. I don't know that they cover all – Eight and a half points. Um, I, I, I'm seeing it close, but right now my faith, if, if there's a kind of a needle. Yep. And that, uh, Penn State is the pick for both Nate and Austin. So, Josh, you go against the grain in that one. Ben goes against the grain in the Indiana-Maryland game. And that's it. Yep. There you go. 
Did you know that eating healthier snacks can help keep your hunger and energy levels steady throughout the day? Well, today's Healthy Husker Tip brought to you by United Healthcare and the Real Appeal program. Learn more at realappeal.com. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Friday night. Friday nights, we like to check in with the ultimate expert on the National Football League, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Ian, great to have you with us again this Friday. Let's start with last night's game. The Chiefs win over the Broncos. That in itself is big, but the biggest news was Patrick Mahomes and the injury leaving the game in the first quarter. What's the latest on his injury? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's funny because it was a national TV game. It was a big, resounding win. It was a great showing and a great, uh, really a great day for the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which has sort of been much maligned for the last couple of years. And nobody is talking about that at all, with good reason. Uh, so here's what we know on Patrick Mahomes. He went down... Uh, on uh, Thursday night with a you know pretty serious-looking injury. You can see the doctors and athletic trainers put the knee back into place. Uh, basically, it was dislocated, and they you know, did the opposite of that, uh, relocated or whatever it was, reduced it, I guess you would say. And then it was all about what other damage was there. Um, you know, what, what was there to know? What, uh, how effective were the ligaments? He had his MRI this morning. Sources say that he sustained no additional significant damage related to the dislocated kneecap. So basically, he's going to miss some time. I was told at least three weeks. They have the bye after the fourth week. So theoretically, they could keep him out for five weeks and four games. That would make a lot of sense if they did that. But have him back for the stretch run. So it's not great, but certainly considering the alternatives, this is a pretty good day in Kansas City. Okay, Matt Moore finished the game. What do they what do they do? Do they look for somebody to plug the gap or do they roll with more? What do you think they'll do? I'm I'm not sure they add anyone. I mean, Andy Reid's history has not been to go out and sign a quarterback. I don't even know who it would be, honestly. Like who would like Matt Moore has been in the system for, you know, two months. He's a veteran. He didn't play last year, but really, like, you know, really he's pretty good. I mean, I saw him, watch him last night. He can move the offense. It looks like someone who is, can certainly keep this rolling. Um, I, I would say I was encouraged by what I saw. I, I would be surprised if Andy Reid went out and added someone. You know, I mean, so many years with the Eagles, he simply got some backup quarterback we never heard of to play well. I would expect that to continue. Okay, let's go to Tennessee next. They're making a change at quarterback. One, are you surprised, and how do you think that will influence Tennessee moving forward? Yeah, I mean, for am I surprised? No, because, you know, you look out in the field, um, and, you know, it's – I would say – I would say that the fact that the offense is not moving is very clear. You know, like Mike Vrabel, I say, oh, we need to score more points. They don't score any points. So, you know, for Marcus Mariota, think about an organization where you spend five years planning for someone to be the face of your franchise for everything that you do on offense to be based around this guy, and then all of a sudden you realize you cannot start him anymore. That is a damaging and significant situation for the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, their trade for – for uh, Ryan Tannehill was something that, you know, I would say was under the radar, but he's pretty good except for injuries have hurt him. If he's healthy, 
he's going to probably be one of the better backups in the league, and that trade will be incredibly valuable. Tennessee will host the Chargers on Sunday at 3 o'clock. Update us on Saquon Barkley. Is he? Are we about to see him back on the field? Oh, yeah. We're going to see him out on the field. He is, you know, we scan the injury reports every week to see who's healthy and who isn't. Uh, he is not on the injury report. So the high ankle sprain, which, you know, there were some reports where, you know, you said he could miss up to eight weeks. It's going to be four weeks. So that's what he's going to miss. Saquon Barkley's going to miss four weeks of a high ankle sprain. It's incredible. He's a beast. He's, as his trainer told me, he's not human. Uh, they were actually cautious with him by not having a play against the Patriots. So, you know, this has all been really good. Um, I would say I would expect him to be full strength, 100%, and get a ton of carries on Sunday. Yeah, they host Arizona Sunday in one of the noon games. One of the other big stories, yeah. Ian, for the week was J- the Jalen Ramsey trade. Take us through some of the dynamics of that, and how does that affect both of those teams? Well, it started with the Rams trading Marcus Peters to the Ravens. The Ravens needed a sort of injection of talent on the defense. They got Marcus Peters, gave up some draft picks and a linebacker to do it. So then the Rams needed a corner. So these moves were not linked. In other words, they weren't part of the same transaction but they were certainly related. Um, You know, I would say that um, as soon as it became clear that the Rams were trading Marcus Peters, I started making calls. Were they trading for Jalen Ramsey? Even though their name had never come up as it relates to, you know, the Jalen Ramsey situation. So, um, you know, they dug in, I think at about five o'clock, nothing was happening at about six o'clock. The two sides came together this would be on Tuesday night. The two sides came together, had a deal. Ramsey gave the okay. There's no new contract associated with it, but I would expect the Rams to talk about it after the season. Um, and all of a sudden, the Rams have a new, really good player on their defense. They're going to play more man-to-man, so they're going to lock guys up. And they think they're going to look dramatically different, and I kind of do too. Are they okay, Ian? I mean, they've stumbled a few times here in the first part of this season coming off of, you know, the Super Bowl appearance last year. They don't look quite as sharp. What's what's your impression of the Rams? I don't know if they're okay. I mean, they have all the same players that played last year, but they don't look the same. Right. Offensively, their offensive line, they're not blocking the same. I just I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes teams can catch fire. Sometimes when you have a great coaching staff, you can figure out, what everyone else has against you and kind of use it for the rest of the year. So, you know, what Sean McVay is probably doing now is being like, all right, how do they stop us? What do we need to do? So I would expect a reaction, a response. I just don't know that it's going to be enough. I do know, though, that we have a lot of time. So, I mean, how much can they improve their, um, how much can they improve their performance? You know, we'll see going forward, but they, they do need to get better. Okay, so we have the, the Ramsey trade this week. We're sneaking up on the trade deadline. Do you think it'll be active here in the next couple of weeks, or, or, or do you have a sense of how much teams are going to move? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be somewhat active. Um, now, we've already seen some legit fireworks. I mean, two Pro Bowl corners getting traded. That's, yeah. you know, that's a lot. Um, and how many more big-name guys are going to get traded, I don't know. Um, but I would say we're going to see some names. Leonard Williams with the Jets is certainly a name. Um, you know, after last night, look at Emmanuel Sanders. Could he get traded? You know, a veteran who's still got it but is making some money and the Broncos aren't good like that. I could see that situation. Um, Chris Harris is another one. 
you know, Mohamed Sanu with the Atlanta Falcons is another one. So um, I would say we're going to hear some names. I just don't know if anything is going to be like this past Tuesday was. All right. Okay. Uh, for our for our fantasy football folks out there, give them some uh, what kind of injury news are you tracking here on a Friday? Well, obviously the Mahomes uh, injury news, you know, is probably the most important. But, you know, I would say for the late Sunday game, Deshaun Jackson is out for the Eagles. Amari Cooper sounds like he probably could play, which is, I think, really good news for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that's certainly one where – we're sort of monitoring. Alvin Kamara did not practice again for the Saints. Not a good sign for his status. And, you know, they they uh, they picked up another running back this week, Zach Zenner. It's never a good sign when a team feels like they have to sign a running back. So, um, you know, obviously that's uh, that that's those are probably the main ones that we're keeping an eye on. Mitchell Trubisky uh, sounds like he is going to play for the Bears. Uh, that is another uh, obviously very good sign. He's actually uh, he's listed as questionable on the injury report, but he's a full participant all through the week, so that's good as well. You just made a lot of Bears fans' day. Ian, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again next Friday. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. It's the Sports Nightly Week in Review. From Monday night, color analyst Matt Davison. You know, it, it comes at a good time, like you said, uh, to try to get some guys healthy and to get their legs back under them. But we still have to work hard. It's not like this is a week to just take off and not get better. We have to get better. We have to recover. But we also have to get better at, at some of the basic things, whether it's a penalty here or there, jumping early, a push in the back, uh, you know, missing a block, missing a tackle. Didn't do a good enough job of that on Saturday. Like I said, don't want to, you know, overreact to one night of football. So I think we, you know, we're doing a lot of good things, but we just need to button a few things up on both sides of the ball and try to get ready for the next two games before we have another off week. Rhonda Ravel. Well, there were a lot of really positive things. Number one, um, we have three newcomers that saw significant playing time, and we really see how they can have a positive impact on our team. Number two, um, you know, we ran kind of a straight rotation all fall long, so everybody got at bats, everybody got playing time, and I thought that was great and that we were interchangeable at a lot of different positions. And number three, you know, uh, we saw some real steps forward on the mound and getting a lot more swings and misses out of our pitchers. And you didn't necessarily always see it in the scoreboard, but I see what they're doing, you know, with the getting the swings and misses, and we're going to build on that in the offseason. And that's all without Lindsey Waljess for being available to us this fall. Adam Rittenberg. For Burrow and, and, and Tonga Vailoa in particular, it's largely going to come down to that game November 9th in Tuscaloosa. Who plays better? Who leads his team to victory? Which, which may, may propel that team into the SEC title game and ultimately the college football playoffs. So there's so much more on the line than even normal because of the Heisman, because the quarterbacks are so great, the offenses are so great. But you know, Jalen Hurts is certainly in that mix. He, he just has to put up big numbers, Greg, and hope he has a few more signature opportunities. Because honestly, of the five players on that list, he probably has the least number of signature opportunities because the Big 12, you know, right now, doesn't look like it's going to have too many ranked teams other than Texas, who he just beat. Iowa State might work its way back. Baylor has been really good, but there's not much else other than those teams. And, you know, we, we know there's going to be more opportunities for both the, uh, the contenders in the Big Ten and the SEC. 
Tuesday night, Nebraska Athletics Director Bill Moose. For the university and for our fans, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to showcase the University of Nebraska, not just on a national stage, but on an international stage as well, and give an opportunity for our great fans to uh, hopefully come over and follow us and support us. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Husker volleyball coach John Cook. Now you need a good pass for the setter so the middles can be set. And one of our goals this year is to set our middle attack more. So we're trying to, and so Nicklin tends to force it sometimes maybe when it's not there. But, you know, we're work in progress. We're developing that, and that's something we want to do. And Kelly's got to learn how to deal with when the set's not perfect, and that's something that she's learning. Lauren, on the other hand, can deal with a tough set much easier. She's older. She's more experienced. So those are all the combinations of all the things. And yes, we watch video all the time and we go through the sets with Nicklin and showing her, you know, this is what we want to look like. This is, this is what we can do better. And, and so, yes, there's constant evaluation. And again, it's just a fine line. It, you know, it's a, you know, like in football, if you're running the option, it's, you know, sometimes the pitch is there, sometimes the pitch is off, the timing's off. You know, it's very similar to that. Former Husker, Stanley Morgan. You know, being a pro every day, going about my day being a pro, different things I do now, just preparing myself for the week, you know, as a professional, you know, as an athlete, you know, I got to grind and train like a pro, you know, and take this very, very seriously. So that's really the biggest step into, you know, the league and just, transforming yourself into you know a player that you know pays attention to every detail from wednesday night the big 10 blitz i think you also just have to look at those four games and i forget what the exact score is but indiana's something like 197 to 27 in final score over those four games and as somebody who's covered a lot of indiana football it's a program that that makes things more complicated than it needs to way more often than it should and at some point maybe indiana should just get credit for going into those kinds of games against UConn, Rutgers, Eastern Illinois, and just smashing up those teams with a minimum of fuss and moving on. Obviously now they do get a a slightly raised level of competition, a couple of road tests here in the next two weeks, and the opportunity maybe to prove themselves as as a bowl team. Lane Grindle. They're really good. Uh, They just have so many arms they can run at you in the rotation. And, I mean, it's amazing. Here they are up two games to one. And their fans are still frustrated. They don't think they've gotten enough out of Zach Grinke. <laughs> and, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a great problem to have? To be like, hey, look, we're up to one in the ALCS. But, you know, Grinke hasn't been great in his starts. I mean, if that's what you're worrying about, you know that you're in pretty good shape. So I, I think the Astros end up winning that series. But it's going to be a good one. I, it would not shock me if it goes seven. And the Nationals are just going to be sitting back, eating their popcorn and enjoying it while they wait. Thursday night, Parker Gabriel. From the Lincoln Journal Star. There'd be plenty to be worried about if it was if it was Adrian Martinez and Noah Vedrill and Wondell Robinson. But it's guys like JD Spielman and Maurice Washington too, who have been beat up a little bit early in the season. And it's a bunch of guys, I'm sure. Every guy that's played significant snaps on defense uh, can use the rest too. So it makes for an interesting, you know, balancing act between getting in the work that you need to get in and getting back to the basics, as, as Scott said, they were going to focus on this week and then also obviously getting those tie guys some needed rest. Nebraska football coach Scott Frost. This week's been all about getting back to the fundamentals, making sure we're staying on blocks longer, making sure we're coming off better up front, making sure we're blocking better on the perimeter, tackling and blocking drills all week, kind of trying to run some of our base stuff and making sure that we can be it can be a little more reliable and we can count on it. And the guys have done well this week, so 
hopefully this pays off a little bit down the road, but uh, we have to keep working on those things. We're, we're still not where we want to be in some of those areas. Teddy Greenstein. It's a solid team that like has a very high floor, so, so they haven't really had any bad games this season, and Ian Book is solid. Now, you know, they led that game 20-3, to and it looked like it was going to be a bit of a beatdown, and then USC rallied and, and scored a late touchdown to make it close. But Notre Dame is just, is just solid, and you know, I, I guess I won't be carrying the Big Ten flan- Big Ten uh, banner in a couple weeks. I, I really hope they take it to Michigan because Michigan, I feel like, is the opposite of Notre Dame. Michigan is, uh, you know, a lot of arrogance and not a lot of performance. And Notre Dame is going about its business the right way, and um, certainly could end up uh, probably end up being eleven and one. Kevin Suits. I'm not ruling Nebraska out from beating either of those two teams. I know that sounds crazy because the most recent example was not the best performance from Nebraska. But if Nebraska plays Colorado first half, half uh, S, they've got a shot to beat anybody in the division. And I truly feel that. And what's to say Wisconsin's going to keep playing at the level that they're playing at? They're good. I'm not going to downgrade the or, or talk bad about the Badgers. But they probably have a bad game in them or two later in the season. What's to say that doesn't happen when they come to Lincoln? There is our Week in Review put together each and every week by Josh Hokeman. Man, what a week here on Sports Nightly. All of our guests appear with us on our Sports Nightly hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We are back to wrap up tonight's show with our winners and losers. That's coming up next.